that being punished? Oh, it it could just be any Taiwan company. Again, just very similar to other foreign companies. They don't have to necessarily be doing business with the Taiwan government. The leader of the the shareholder, controlling shareholder, doesn't necessarily have to be someone who speaks about politics or who's even donated money to political candidates. It's just a political risk, and now it's an operational risk that that companies have that in in the disputes that exist between their governments that they'll be targeted just for random audits and things like that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's something that companies always have to keep in mind when doing business in China. Okay, thank you very much, Ross. We've run out of time, sadly, but that's Ross Feingold, Business Development Director at SafePro Group. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. Around the markets this morning, in Australia, the ASX 200 is down about 0.1%. Uh, the Nikkei 225 in Japan is up about three quarters of a percent. The Cosby moving the opposite direction, that's down about 0.4%. Um, and right now, futures markets indicating a flat open for the Hang Seng in just under an hour's time. In the commodities markets... Uh, Brent crude oil pretty well unchanged at $82.22 a barrel. Gold is moving up, though, in Asian trading. It's at $1,791 an ounce. Do please join me again tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock. I'll be here with Money Talk once again. Stay tuned to Radio 3. Back chats coming up in just a moment with Hugh Chiverton and Paul Zimmerman. The weather forecast for today. Sunny periods, it's going to be dry. Maximum temperature of around 23 degrees. Fine and dry for the rest of this week and early next week. It's 19 degrees right now, 66% relative humidity and a red fire danger warning in force. It's coming up to 8.32. Here's Andrew Shawoski with the half-hour news. 31 people, including a child, have drowned in the English Channel off France after a dinghy carrying migrants sank. Thousands of migrants attempt to cross the Channel to reach Britain each year. The British Prime Minister Boris Johnson said the tragedy showed attempts to stop the flow had not been enough. My thoughts and sympathies are, first of all, with the the victims and, and their families. But I also want to say that this disaster underscores how dangerous it is to cross the channel in this way. And it also shows how vital it is that we now step up our efforts to break the business model of the gangsters who are sending people to sea uh, in this way. Locally, the government has banned people in hotel quarantine from using masks with any exhalation valve or vent after an expert blamed this for a COVID cross-infection earlier this month. Wendy Wong has more. The ban came after a man quarantined at Regal Airport Hotel earlier this month was suspected of having passed on the coronavirus to a man next door. University of Hong Kong microbiologist Yun Kwok Yong blamed the valve mask for the transmission, saying it was a bit selfish because the exhaled air was unfiltered. The Center for Health Protection also says the public should not use this style of mask as it may not prevent the spread of COVID. Meanwhile, health authorities say an eight-year-old girl who had flown in from South Korea earlier this month was yesterday's only confirmed COVID case. The police have warned foreign domestic helpers not to lend or sell their bank accounts for quick money, as officers have noticed that money laundering syndicates are targeting them. Officers say in two recent operations, 34 of the 43 arrested were foreign domestic helpers. They say criminals usually recruit the helpers on social media or through mass messages on mobile phones. They offer several thousand dollars in exchange for access to their bank accounts. Here's Detective Chief Inspector Michael Lai. We believe that because uh, we have already do a lot of publicity, Hong Kong citizens have already alerted that they cannot just 
borrow or let their bank account to others. Maybe that's why the syndicate have approached to a different race of people to obtain their Stitch account. Through our investigation, some of them were approached through the social media and also sometimes they were approached by some stranger uh, on the off day uh, on the streets. The domestic helper, we know that all of them usually gather in some place and some people will approach them at that areas. And a jury in the U.S. state of Georgia has found three white men guilty of murdering a black man who was jogging in the city of Brunswick last year. The killing of Ahmad Arbery, along with that of George Floyd in Minneapolis, helped inspire the Black Lives Matter movement. The three men claimed they were defending themselves while trying to make a citizen's arrest. That's the news from RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Back Chatter. I'm Jim Gould and your co-host today is Paul Zimmerman. Good morning, Paul. Morning, Jim. On today's programme, we're focusing on the air quality. The Institute for the Environment at the University of Science and Technology has released a, a new mobile app that can help uh, users analyse their personal uh, air pollution exposure from outdoor and indoor locations and what are described as different micro-environments. Called uh, Praise HK EXP, this latest technology builds on an earlier version released three years ago and aims to provide users with personalised real-time air quality information. In June this year, the government unveiled its Clean Air Plan for Hong Kong 2035, setting a new target uh, to reach the same standards of air quality as major international cities such as Tokyo and Paris in 14 years' time. So, how are we doing? From 9.15, we're talking about the drop in student numbers after the uh, government decided to merge two schools uh, starting from next September. Let us know your thoughts. You can leave a message on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. Email us at backchat at rthk.hk or give us a call on 233 Joining us now on the line, we have uh, Professor Alexis Lau, who's Director of the Institute for the Environment at the University of Science and Technology, and also Patrick Fong, CEO of the Clean Air Network. Um, uh, OK, Professor Lau, uh, good morning. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. So, Thanks for uh, getting me. Yeah, great. Uh, good to have you on the programme. So, uh, so uh, the app is called uh, Praise Hong Kong. That stands for Personalised Real-Time Air Quality Informatic System for Exposure. Um, now, um, as I said in the introduction, it can measure personal exposure to air pollution uh, in both indoor and outdoor locations and also uh, different micro-environments. Um, can you explain a little bit more about that? Well, uh, every day we go about our activity. Uh, we stay home, get out in the morning, uh, go to work or go to school, and then maybe we go to some shopping mall or many. We do many different things in uh, in a environment that is different. Uh, so we call it micro environment. We uh, and the air exposure. Uh, in each of these microenvironments can be very different because of ventilation as well as the change in air quality outside. So these are the things that we want to uh, measure and estimate how, say, uh, every day which activity uh, people get more exposure and also try to inform uh, people 
what they can do a little bit uh, in each of these places to help protect them against bad air pollution events. Mm. So, so if you mean if you want to go for a run outside or something like that, you can you can time it to reduce your exposure mm-hmm. to uh, to air pollution and, and so on. Um, so, so how does the app actually measure i mean i mean does it have a measuring function or or is this based on uh, uh, patterns and so on well uh the app has two parts uh one part is first of all uh which we released two years ago is a very uh detailed uh estimate uh combining the real-time information of traffic uh outside air quality and so on uh, weather condition uh, estimating the outdoor air quality in Hong Kong uh, everywhere uh, and then uh, in the past few years we have been measuring a lot of place what is outside concentrations relationship to the air quality in different indoor environment so we went to uh, over 30 schools uh, measuring what when outside air quality is certain value, uh, what is the inside air quality in a school uh, under different ventilation conditions. Uh, doing the same thing for shopping mall, offices, homes. So we don't have a measuring device at the phone because uh, we every, everyone's uh, phone is different. So, but phones usually have GPS capability. We can tell where they are as well as estimating whether they are indoor or outdoor. Uh, so from this information, we first understand uh, the microenvironment condition, and then if the user uh, give us that permission, then we will use the uh, their track record to estimate, okay, whether they are staying at home or they are in their office or, or so on, and then estimate from outside air quality information uh, multiplied by infiltration factor with some uh, modification of the ventilation setting typical for uh, indoor environment. And from there, we can estimate the concentration of pollutants they are getting. And then we also add it up for them during the day uh, because a lot of time people forget that although outside air quality, people a lot of time think that, oh, outdoor air is when, when we take a bus or when we walk on the road. That's the time when we are exposed most to air pollutants. Uh, when we ask people, they usually think that, oh, I expose most during the time I'm walking outside. But you only spend very short period of time outside. You spend much more time during the day at home or in your office. So. The app actually tried to analyze this for people and show them, okay, which activity actually they expose most of the pollutant during a day. Mm. Okay, and then phase one of the app uh, was uh, released in June 2019. Uh, What's the public response been like since then? Well, I think it's quite good. Uh, Our main target people are uh, people with... Uh, what we call sensitive subgroups, uh, asthma patient, allergy patient, uh, younger children and older people. Uh, we have been uh, working with some of these groups 
uh, and they uh, told us that uh, the app has helped them. Uh, we also work with uh, some of the government, uh, like the uh, Energizing Kowloon Office and also uh, the Red Cross. Uh, they use our data. Uh, we allow the data to be gotten like from uh, our app directly without the... Basically, they can tap into our system uh, so that they can give their user directly the uh, air information outside. So uh, I would say that uh, the reception is good, uh, although we do not expect this uh, app to be used like uh, the other apps which uh, try to uh, try to get everyone to use because air quality is uh, a major concern And then how can people change their behavior? I mean, uh, so I look at my app and then what do I do? Well, uh, in the functions, it actually tells you that, like, if you are... The first thing is tell most people that actually most important thing is their home because they spend most of the time. And then within their home, uh, not every day you need to close the window. Most people actually open windows and... Uh, have air conditioning, but uh, don't use it. Uh, during the time when you have a uh, what we call a pollution episode, uh, you can see from the app that uh, by understanding what is the time of, uh, say, uh, if you notice this afternoon there is a pollution episode coming in, and uh, you close the window and open air conditioning or you even have a good uh, air filter, it can reduce the pollution quite significantly. So you forecast, um, you forecast air pollution coming in. There's okay. a forecasting function on it. I can, I can look it ahead and see that it's going to be pretty bad tomorrow morning. Or um... Yes. Uh, we put the 48-hour forecast uh, of the air quality at your location right in the front page. Okay, uh, so uh, Patrick Fung, CEO of Clean Air Network, good morning to you. Morning. So how useful do you think is a, a personalised uh, app like this? Um, uh, firstly, I, I think uh, if we zoom out a little bit, uh, when we're talking about long-term um, uh, trend of air pollution in Hong Kong, obviously there has been an um, improvement. And uh, the result um, health outcome actually has been declined by up to uh, up to 50 percent. But the question is, uh, is still um, there is a big gap between what we are experiencing of the air quality now in Hong Kong uh, versus the World Health Organization's uh, recommended safe level. Especially there has been an update of that guideline in September, so uh, it becomes more stringent, and the gap is even uh, bigger. And then uh, that comes to uh, two uh, approach to solve the problem. Firstly, the big uh, broad uh, policy change. And then secondly, uh, the behavior change. And then I think uh, the app like this uh, would be able to inform and mobilize the public to, you know, uh, switch to cleaner route, uh, close window at a time, and basically to, to help uh, themselves uh, uh, by improving the uh, microenvironment as uh, illustrated by Professor Lau. However, I, I do think that there, there should be more to be done uh, on the policy area. 
Yeah, uh, well, yes. Um, actually, after nine o'clock, we've got uh, Kenneth Leung on, who, Assistant Director for Air Policy at the Environmental Protection Department. So uh, we can uh, talk about that uh, with him. But and and, and also the uh, get the government's plan to. Uh, improve air quality to standards comparable with Tokyo and Paris by the year 2035. I mean, there are a lot of strategies uh, contained in that plan. Um, would, would you say we're moving in the right direction at least? I think we acknowledge the government has um, uh, spent the effort uh, in trying to set the course uh, for long-term improvement of clean air. And uh, this is, um, uh, I, I think it's in the right direction and then, uh, especially when government try to uh, do two things, so firstly, uh, they try to um, emphasize once and again scientific management uh, is important in its new uh, cleaner plan, uh, which I see there will be more IoT, uh, you know, more data to reflect uh, air pollution, not only in the 18 uh, EPD stations right now, but zoom into a high resolution of uh, district-specific uh, 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 data. And in this way, we could actually see the district-specific problem, and we hope to see more district-specific solutions. So this is number one. And then secondly, uh, we hope to see um, more about uh, not only emission control, but also uh, uh, traffic congestion, uh, transport demand management, uh, so on and so forth. How are we moving towards a walkable city? How do we um, uh, gradually, um, you know, stay uh, uh, away from four wheels and then uh, we will have more the bike and, and, and uh, walk uh, as the last mile, etc. So this uh, also included in this new plan uh, is a livable environment. And in, in, uh, in summary, I think uh, the direction is on the right track. However, we do want to see a quicker implementation of more ambitious uh, policy. Uh, for example, the commercial uh, vehicle and public transport. There's no mention of how we are going to uh, gradually transition them into new energy, for example, electric or even hydrogen. So this is something the government must do, uh, especially for the new administration uh, of the government. So the, the, what are the main contribu uh, contributors to air pollution in Hong Kong? Uh, uh, the Pill River Delta manufacturing was was always a main source, um, and that has significantly improved, uh, maybe not... Uh, not so good lately because uh, of the uh, the, the uh, individual power plants that people are running and with with the lack of electricity. But what are the main contributors now for for Hong Kong to uh, to our air pollution? Um, regional is still uh, one of the uh, uh, main contributors, uh, especially the ambient ozone. So it has been on the rise uh, for some years now. Uh, we know government is doing some research, but no action plan yet. So uh, regional uh, ozone definitely one. However, closer to um, population in Hong Kong is definitely roadside. And for that, uh, the road vehicles would be um, uh, the main contributors. So they are the heavy duty vehicles, including uh, the bus and trucks, uh, and also taxis and uh, minibus, etc. So these are the areas that we have to look at. And also for uh, shipping vessels, so the uh, big ocean-going vessels uh, are actually uh, still emitting um, uh, some um, uh, pollutant, including uh, the NO2 and, uh, and the PM, uh, although there has been a reduction of the sulfur dioxide uh, in recent years. So there, there are mainly three of them, uh, in addition to the power generation uh, uh, within Hong Kong's territory.
So, so yeah, that, I was wondering about power generation. Is, is, is vehicular traffic and marine traffic now a greater contrib contributor than power generation? Or is power generator the, still the main contributor to air pollution for Hong Kong? I think uh, in terms of uh, volume, uh, the uh, power generator is uh, you know, about one-third. And then um, uh, road vehicle and uh, ship emission, each of them uh, a, a bit uh, uh, closer to one-third. But uh, in terms of concentration, I think um, the road uh, vehicles and the ship vessels account uh, for the um, air pollution concentration more than the power uh, generation. So, Alexis, is that so? That so, are we more impacted by what happens on the road because we're closer to it than uh, certainly? Mm -hmm. Yeah, because of uh, the power generation after they meet, uh, it usually get much higher. But the roads as well as the ship, they emit at uh, really near the city and at the roadside. So they are much more important. Uh, so the power generation, I mean, I, I haven't spoken about that uh, today. To what extent can we make improvements there? I think that uh, effort in the government talking about the uh, carbonizing uh, the power, uh, working with the power company to do that goal, uh, the use of fossil fuel is a big part of that emission source. So uh, in that direction, I think for the net zero as well as the uh, air quality, that is the same direction we are pushing for. So that means more nuclear? Uh, nuclear is one option, but uh, solar energy, uh, wind power, uh, as well as any new technology like hydrogen uh, would be important. But currently, it is only nuclear that uh, that helps us move away, isn't it? The, the amount of contribution we can get from solar power and wind power are, are very marginal. I mean, we're talking about a few percent at best. Well, uh, I think the pace towards uh, particular solar and wind power uh, working with uh, the Chinese government around this region on those is a very important part. Uh, nuclear is certainly still on the table. But uh, hydrogen, uh, I understand, is another thing that uh, is being looked at very seriously. So I think uh, net zero, we have to really try everything. Mm -hmm. Hydrogen is, is uh, that's, that's a future, uh, the, the, but the nuclear is here today. Is, 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 mm -hmm. Are we going to see a shift to more nuclear than for Hong Kong in terms of power generation? I think that is something for the government as well as the public to uh, debate and uh, decide because that is uh, depend on uh, the net zero uh, option. I think uh, nuclear is certainly uh, being looked at very seriously in here as well as in uh, many countries to see whether that how how that play out in the net zero pathway. But I think it's important for us to to try to develop new technology also. And as you just said in, your, uh, in the beginning where you talked about praise, uh, we spend most of our time indoors um, and climate control is, is a main, is a main uh, part of energy consumption in Hong Kong with, with our warm weather, although it's, very, it's a bit cold these days. Um, so so is, is buildings um, and, um, and the ability to make improvements there uh, to, uh, to uh, uh, energy conservation is that, uh, and preservation, is that, is that an, a real option? Yes. Actually, uh, 
During the place project, we go into building and make measurement of how the ventilation system is related to the air quality. What we find out is that uh, the air quality uh, inside the building uh, differs a lot from one building to another. Some buildings with a good ventilation system, with good uh, like filtering system, the air quality inside can be quite good. Uh, but other buildings who have quite a bit of leakage, uh, a lot of the outside air comes in, but also a lot of the like air conditioning being leaked out. And the, those uh, buildings, uh, I think, is very good option for considering retrofitting uh, for both energy saving as well as improving their indoor air quality. So we are actually uh, recommending the government considering in their uh, indoor air quality labels to ask the buildings to do real-time monitoring of the air quality inside uh, so that the building owner understand how well they are actually managing the indoor air. Uh, once they uh, start looking into this indoor air improvement, they can also do this uh, energy saving. Uh, so uh, on that side, the building has a big part to do. So is that energy saving and uh, air quality improvement inside a building, are they, can they help each other or is, it's, is yes, it going to cost or, or does it take more energy if you want to do more filtering, you got you you consume more energy? Well, up to this point, uh, at the place we have looked at, I think smart management is the important point in terms of both protecting the indoor environment, uh, improving indoor environment air quality, and energy saving. A lot of time, uh, the energy use inside buildings right now uh, depend on time. There's basically, uh, like in a, a place with a lot of rooms, not every room is being uh, used, but uh, a lot of times the air ventilation system is the same, whether it's vacant or being used. Uh, or even if people have a switch, they often forget to turn it off when they leave. So these type of uh, new smart system uh, can help, like just like lighting. We are now so used to lighting when you go into a room, you don't have to turn on the light. Uh, and also a room with different number of people, uh, you can sit in different amount of air. You don't have to, when the room is uh, fake, you don't have to uh, fit in a lot of air when there's only small number of people there. So there's a lot of possibility of uh, optimizing the ventilation system to save energy. How about those big curtain walls? Yeah, 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 yeah. Patrick from Patrick yeah, coming yeah, please. in. Yeah, I just want to jump in a bit on the yeah. no, uh, air quality. So um, currently, I, I think there are still weakness on the government regulations and guidance related to IAQ. Uh, there is uh, guidance within the building regulations. Uh, however, um, I think there, there was an audit commission in uh, 2011 that found that uh, there were no IAQ certification uh, scheme uh, for households, schools, elderly homes, or child care centers. And these are basically uh, the people that um, uh, we see their sensitive group and they're vulnerable to air pollution. But now there are simply no uh, you know, guidelines or certifications uh, that enable uh, third parties to independently uh, check whether uh, the air quality within this facility are up to standard or not. So this um, uh, is essentially a weakness the government should uh, look at immediately.
Is that building regulations? Is that where, where does that fit? Is that healthcare building regulations? Where does that sit? Yeah, that, that is under the um, uh, building regulation, and uh, there's a IAQ uh, voluntary scheme. However, that scheme uh, applies to um, mainly the commercial buildings only. So uh, there is nothing uh, for other buildings, including schools, elderly home, or childcare centers. So how do we get these these building regulations on energy uh, uh, reduction and on in air quality improvement? How, how do we get those regulations to be tightened up? I mean, the the building industry yeah. seems to be quite powerful yeah. in holding back on uh, on any regulation. Uh, indeed, but there is opportunity uh, under the climate action plan. So there's a interdepartmental task force uh, announced by the CEE that would uh, include the building uh, department. So uh, if we set the pathway towards net zero, and every government bureaus and department have to chip in. And this is one thing that the building uh, department have to work out with their stakeholder. And uh, it's one way that uh, not only reduce energy consumption, uh, but also improve uh, the well-being, uh, public health of Hong Kong. So this definitely is something that the government should look into. But should they work it out with the uh, property industry or should they just mandate it and set some tight rules? I mean, we've seen the success of environmental action on the mainland to be government strict pro government action and, and instead of listening to stakeholders for too long, um, yeah. should we take a, a more aggressive approach in regulation? I think in long term, the government should consider to legislate the IQ standards. However, in short, uh, short term, uh, we, we do understand there are situations that, uh, you know, schools, uh, LD centers, maybe there are lack of uh, resources. So there might be someone voluntary scheme to start off first uh, with government providing resources and then test out uh, what happened uh, on the field and then see uh, what is the timeline to get that uh, legislation in place. But definitely, this is something for the new administration for, of the government. OK. OK, well, stay with us. So we've got to take a short break for the news summary. We'll be back at three minutes past. Um, a quick uh, look at the weather. Uh, sunny periods, uh, dry during the day, top temperature around 23 degrees, light to moderate northeasterly winds. The outlook, fine and dry for the rest of the week and early next week. Still cool in the mornings in the new territories. Windier over the weekend, currently 19 degrees, humidity 65%. And welcome back to Back Chat with uh, Paul Zimmerman and me, Jim Gould. And uh, this morning uh, we're talking about uh, air quality. And we have uh, with us uh, in uh, uh, well on the line Professor Alexis Lau, uh, Director of the Institute for the Environment at the University of Science and Technology, and also um, Patrick Fung, CEO of the Clean Air Network. And also joining us now is uh, Kenneth Leung, Assistant Director for Air Policy at the Environmental Protection Department. Um, uh, Dr. Learn, good morning to you. Thanks for thank, thank you for joining us. Um, we were talking before the break about uh, about this uh, app, the Praise HKEXP app, developed uh, by uh, Professor Lau at the University of Science and Technology. Um, how useful do you think is something like this in terms of uh, you know for individuals to uh, to check their exposure to uh, to uh, air pollution and to you know take necessary precautions? Yeah, definitely. I think I see this app as a, a very good innovative project and application, making use of the air quality data provided by our department and combined with uh, the latest technologies in AI and big data that really help to promote the usage of our air quality data. 
and uh, definitely this direction is something uh, our department is also uh, considering at the moment uh, to really expand the usage of our data to enable the citizens to to make use of this data for their day-to-day life. So what are the new projects that you have in mind uh, in terms of your, uh, you know, making data available to the public and how people can uh, uh, read the data? Okay, actually in the Clean Air Plan we released it early this year. Uh, in one of the action items, which is the scientific management, uh, we already mentioned that we're going to uh, develop a smart air quality monitoring system. Uh, the, the, this particular system is to mimic what the PRACE project has been done. So you're going to copy it? Uh, not exactly. Well, you might have to <laughs> pay for want, it then. So. <laughs> yeah, we want to uh, really tap on the idea and to further expand it. And then the, the, the citizens will be able to make use of the, the widely available data because we're not just making use of AI. We're going to put a lot more sensors around our uh, uh, monitoring station to really enhance the spatial distribution of the pollution uh, controls. So that will really improve the, the capability of the system as well. Now, now, air quality has been improving in the past few years. Uh, the measurements of, uh, I think, all pollutants except for ozone are down, um, but o- ozone seems to be a persistent problem. Um, w- w- what is the issue there? Now, ozone is a regional problem. Uh, when you talk about it seems to be uh, the ozone is increasing, uh, you probably mentioned the, or refer that to the ozone level in the city area. Mm. When we assess the actual ozone situation, we have to look at the background station, which is at Tamun. Tamun, which is out of our eastern side in this sea, and Mm. not affected by any nearby uh, pollution sources, which reflect very well the regional situation. In fact, if you look at the ozone at Tamun, which has not been rising in the past few years, we are aiming for really plateauing the ozone level in the next few years, that is what the Hong Kong as well as the Guangdong government has been doing, try to uh, reduce our regional pollution level, in particular the volatile organic compound. And because this part of uh, this type of pollution is directly contributing to the formation of the regional ozone. So now by reducing our own contributions in Hong Kong, we help to reduce the ozone level in uh, the whole GBA area as well. Regarding the increase in urban area ozone, it is a, uh, basically something will, will happen because we are reducing the NOx in the city area. Mm-hmm. And with less, basically the, the nitrogen oxide compound, which is emitted from the vehicle, we, we, by improving the vehicle emission, we definitely reduce the NOx level in the city area. That will eventually result in less NOx available to consume the ozone, which is transported through the region. That's why, uh, in the short term, uh, the ozone level inside the city area will increase, but it's still less than the background. That's what, why I want to put it into perspective. Okay, that's clear. Then on the uh, local uh, contributors, the uh, energy um, uh, generation is important and, and it's the demand control, the energy demand control. Uh, the important uh, aspect there is buildings. Um, 
we've seen government coming up with a lot of voluntary measures for the building industry. Um, are we going to become tougher? And we're going to be mandating uh, whatever, double glazing, mandating uh, lower energy consumption of buildings. Are we going to be tougher as government on the building industry? Uh, not at the moment. We, we are not have we we would not have any uh, legislation in place yet to really uh, to to force. I would say the individual buildings to comply with certain standards. But uh, as you are aware, we have released the. the the, the new climate action plan 2050 in that particular plan we already laid down the direction of improving our energy efficiency so uh, I would say that in future in particular if it is a, a listed company for the ESG issue uh, they have to tell the public as well as the investor how well they're doing in terms of improving their carbon footprint so the energy efficiency improvement will definitely come into place mm. I, I, I'm sensitive to this uh, to this issue because as a Pokfalum uh, uh, district councillor, uh, we had always very poor air quality in Pokfalum because of the uh, the shipping channel. And um, uh, for many many years, there was a discussion with the government about reducing air pollution from the shipping from the shipping industry, and right. uh, they were then allowed to continue to uh, use the. Uh, uh, poor f fuel that they use, the, the heavy sulfur fuel, all the way up to uh, to birthing for for uh, until half an hour after they birth, and they could switch on back to their poor fuel uh, uh, half an hour before they leave, and as a result, so they were uh, emitting very uh, poorly in in uh, in the Lama Channel. It wasn't until the mainland government decided to dis that the entire Pilbara River Delta was going to be a low emission zone that uh, that has improved. So Hong Kong government took a long time to control the shipping industry because they object to the extra cost. But uh, fortunately, uh, the mainland industry, uh, government says no way. The <laughs> 1st of January, it's done, it's over. And the shipping industry did not complain anymore. And uh, the rule was accepted. So how, how can Hong Kong government also take a tougher attitude to, to industry on these issues? Well, in, in this, well, in, I'm just using the shipping industry as an example of where uh, right. we had to wait for the mainland government to be tough, and the Hong Kong government remained very weak well, in terms of it, response to the shipping industry. Are you going to get strong it, to it, the it, property industry? It's industries? quite different. I, I'll, I'll try to really differentiate these two issues first, hmm. because for the shipping industry, Hong Kong does not have the jurisdiction outside of Hong Kong water. Hong Kong water is a very tiny place. So... It's only take 10, 15 minutes to get into or pass the Hong Kong water. It, it doesn't take that long. Uh, so, uh, in order to act, or really to motivate the shipping industry, that's why we collaborate with the Chinese government. And in fact, the Chinese government take, uh, took note of what Hong Kong had done in the uh, Fairway Charter, which is the voluntary scheme, as well as the uh, uh, fuel change at birth. And then they took note of this uh, policy and implemented for the whole China. So you, you have to see that this is something what Hong Kong did first mm -hmm. as a leader. And then the Chinese government uh, see that is, uh, is a good thing. Can That's we have the same for buildings? Improved. Now, for buildings, it, uh, it takes time. And definitely this is our, our government's direction to improve the efficiency. And uh, you can do it in both ways, either as a legislator or even 
as the as an industry see that there's a substantial improvement or in terms of their profits because by improving the efficiency they improve their profits by spending less on their energy so uh, i i don't see this is a must go to to use legislations to control the efficiency capability okay okay you, you mentioned earlier the clean air plan for hong kong 2035 and mm-hmm. uh, there, there are six major areas uh, outlined mm-hmm. in the plan that's a uh, green transport a livable environment comprehensive emissions reduction uh, clean energy uh, scientific management which you mentioned and uh, regional collaboration um uh, can you just give us a, a quick roundup on, on uh, how we're doing overall well uh, we are working on every single action of this six aspects. Say in terms of the green transport, um, we we have been working hard to to really promote the trans- transition into EV, not just the fire car, uh, also for commercial vehicle and buses, and also we we put in a lot of resources to help out uh, uh, constructing charging facility for both the private sector as well as the the public sector. So. Uh, and in terms of uh, the clean energy, uh, we already announced uh, uh, a, a number of things in terms of the potential use of LNG for marine uh, uh, ocean-going vessels, uh, which all depends on the construction of the, the FSRU, basically the marine, uh, the LNG transfer station in the sea. And also the power company has also committed to meeting the target so they are they are drafting out plans how they are going to uh, to really change their fuel mix in future. That takes times, including the consideration of hydrogens. The government is also uh, in preparations to try out hydrogen fuel cells buses in the next few years. So this is what we are doing right now uh, for scientific management. As I mentioned before, we are designing a new project to really expand what the praise project has done so far and try to adapt it to 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 make it available for the whole hong kong district mm-hmm. uh, and in the regional collaboration side a lot of projects is going on well we are all happy that air, air quality is improving but I, i'd like to give alexis and uh, patrick a right. chance to put their new year's wish to you um, if you. if both of them can give you one new year's wish that they have for for the epd uh, alexis first uh, what, what would be your wish for for epd to take uh, action on as a priority for the new year well uh i still think that i i want to have two uh regional i think the ozone voc is very very important uh and we are taking the lead uh as a national demonstration because we are the most advanced in terms of the control uh locally i think that when we clean out the air outside more and more we should start looking into indoor air quality how to give guidelines and recommendations for buildings to do more Guidelines and recommendations. Yeah. Okay, fantastic. Uh, uh, Patrick, what your your New Year's wish for uh, for for EPD? Well, firstly, the um, uh, road vehicle. Uh, we need a timeline to phase out uh, the diesel uh, buses uh, or the trucks, and we need an ambitious goal uh, for the new energy vehicles. Right now, the government is not shouldering uh, the responsibility uh, to commit. Uh, for example, to build uh, uh, commercial vehicle infrastructure 
and uh, there's no uh, financial model, no uh, operation model support uh, to the operator. So we see this is the first area, and I would also have uh, would like to have a second wish that is on the AQO air quality objective, which uh, we expect will be updated. The review will we will be um, uh, commenced next year. Uh, we hope the government will take into consideration of the World Health Organization's uh, updated guideline and then to uh, provide a really stringent, ambitious uh, uh, speed uh, in order to tighten Hong Kong's AQO towards uh, the uh, WHO uh, guidelines. So these are the two areas for me. Okay, we've got four wishes there for uh, for you, Kenneth. Uh, I, I hope uh, you can make them come true in the next year. Would you definitely. like to uh, uh, respond, Kenneth Lowe? Well, definitely. Yeah. This, uh, this uh, a very, uh, I would say, uh, challenging visit, in particular the, the WHO new AQGs, but uh, we are working towards it, uh, definitely without no any excuse, and uh, in particular by setting out the the climate action target, we will definitely improve our air quality towards the AQG level. Regarding the indoor air quality, um, this is another area we are working on right now. We have two new guidelines coming up soon for school and the the elderly uh, homes as well. So uh, we are going to look into this area to see how much more we could improve the indoor air quality. Thank you for the advice and the, the wishes from the two speakers. <laughs> well, we're all looking. The whole of Hong Kong is looking for your help, okay, Kenneth. Okay, uh, okay. But uh, improvements have been made, so we, we are happy in that sense. But we want more. Definitely. Uh, okay. Thank you. Okay. Th uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, uh, Kenneth Leung there, Assistant Director for uh, Air Policy at the Environmental Protection Department. Thanks very much to Patrick Fung, the CEO of the Clean Air Network. And thank you to Professor Alexis Lau, Director of the Institute for the Environment at the University of Science and Technology. Um, right, now, uh, I have a couple of uh, emails. Probably leave those till later in the programme because uh, we're now going to turn our attention to our, our second uh, topic, which is news that uh, a secondary school in Wong Tai Sin is going to be uh, closed down uh, in phases over the next uh, couple of years and merged with uh, another school in Sham Shui Po. Uh, and this is because the uh, numbers of students uh, in the Wong Tai Sin area has fallen um, and the process has given rise to concerns among uh, some people that there may be, this might be the start of a trend, there may be more school closures. Uh, we're joined uh, on the line now by Mervyn Chung, the chairman of the Hong Kong Education Policy Concern Group. Uh, Mervyn Chung, good morning to you. Uh, good morning, good morning. Thanks for joining us. Uh, so what is, what is your response to the news uh, of this uh, merger of the uh, Lung Chung Government Secondary School and uh, Kowloon Technical School? Well, in fact, the whole uh, school system is now at uh, a very critical crossroads since uh, um, the school sector is really facing uh, a critical situation of a continu continuously fa falling uh, enrollment due to the, the low birth rate and also the, the, the immigration wave. And then uh, on the government side, it's been stressed that um, uh, you know, education resources or public money need to be uh, spent uh, wisely and, and, and also uh, appropriately. So I think that's, that's probably the background that has led to the, the merging of uh, 
of the two schools, Longchang and also Kowloon Technical Schools. But uh, well, um, it seems that uh, it's high time that the the government to sit down with the uh, the school sponsoring bodies to to discuss a possible and also a mutually acceptable way ahead to deal with the, the question of uh, under-enrollment of schools. Since um, <clears throat> for the whole of Hong Kong, it's been estimated that uh, between next year and, and, and the close of the decade, um, uh, students at the age of uh, six is, pro- is projected to fall by 14.5% uh, down to 50,000. And then for those who who are eligible for secondary one will drop by five percent to around sixty thousand. So, um, and and also one uh, newspaper reported this morning that uh, uh, you know by next year, form one classes will be sort of a three over three thousand students, and then thirty percent of the secondary schools will will face the issue of downsizing. So it's it's really at a at a, a critical moment now. And some kind of a consensus between the school sector and also the the education authorities would uh, would need to be reached. Is is there a platform for that discussion? Is there an, or, an organisation or, or a discussion already? I think uh, you know, on and off uh, the education bureau is in touch with the um, with say the school principals. Um, Discussing the you know the way to or, or the ways to, to to handle such as you know, shortage of students, but it seems that uh, both sides have their their unique concerns. For, for government, it's clear that government money must be sent um, must be spent uh, uh, appropriately. And then for for the schools, they are more for um, protecting their say their, their teachers, their staff, and also the students. So uh, and of course, in in in, in so doing, uh, at least existing level of resourcing would need to be maintained. It and this might run counter to to the wishes of uh, of, uh, of the government. So I'm, I'm a bit confused by uh, the different uh, policies that are in place. So we have the northern metropolis and we have the Lantau metropolis being planned for a large increase of population. Um, and uh, at the same time, we're seeing these numbers at the schools of population going down. Uh, we've also built new border crossings, left, right and center for rail that is, uh, and, and for road links that are currently uh, not at all used. But I, I trust that with COVID, uh, uh, we learn how to live with COVID, that these will be used. Where are are we going to be? Does government have a plan for population? Does government have a plan, therefore, for the numbers of school kids that we need facilities for? Do we have have sight of this? Uh, I think um, very exact uh, picture has not been uh, drawn up yet. And uh, a lot has been done uh, uh, based on uh, guesswork. And of course, we have, uh, say, the Lofton, uh, you know, the uh, the Lofton district, uh, uh, gigantic development, uh, resulting in another something like uh, another urban center, another business center, or high tech center in in, uh, in, in the Lofton district, uh, joining the, uh, uh, the the bordering city of Samchan on on uh, you know across a, across a river. Um, but uh, in terms of uh, you know, young people and also the the, uh, the number of uh, school age children, that might not be uh, that might not be precise yet at, at, at this stage. So uh, 
I, I, I would suggest that um, instead of jumping into uh, uh, very hasty conclusions, uh, even though we are at uh, the stage of uh, having a dropping um, school enrollments, uh, would it be possible or, uh, or worth considering by the government that uh, the existing uh, situation be, be, uh, be allowed to, to go stay put for, say, three years? Meanwhile, uh, you know, uh, taking close observations on how things uh, are changing over these three years before coming to a more uh, de- a definite conclusion of the situation. Because in Hong Kong, we have uh, experienced ups and downs in terms of uh, school populations. And uh, we, we had the painful lesson of, uh, say, uh, by the turn of the, the millennium, uh, around 100 uh, primary schools were killed and then uh, a few years down the road then, uh, we had enough certain number of students, resulting in an ironic situation that uh, we, we did not have in, in, in enough schools to cater for uh, uh, a certain increase in, 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 in the number of uh, eligible uh, primary school students. So uh, in order to avoid the recurrence of such a, uh, such a situation, which we don't want to see you know, happen again. Uh, well, would it be possible? Smaller class sizes. I mean, we, 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 people have always talked about the class sizes being too, uh, the classes are too, too many students. I mean, smaller class sizes, is that what you think we should be doing? Uh, this is a one, one of the things that, uh, that is worth considering. Because um, it's true that uh, our, our class sizes, uh, be they primary or uh, uh, secondary, uh, are really uh, a bit uh, too high compared to the to the advanced economies, and uh, so there's room for uh, reducing appropriately the um, uh, you know the, the class size uh, of an every school in Hong Kong. But then uh, we must not take this as a, some kind of a panacea for all the troubles that we are facing, because uh, in some districts it's been uh, reported that. Uh, 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 this kind of small class teaching has already been pursued to a very high percentage. Uh, uh, one school principal in, in the Wong Tai district, which is uh, which is hard hit by by the issue of uh, unenrollment in classes, yeah. <clears throat> um, is that the schools in the district have been uh, doing uh, around ninety percent of the of the schools in the district are doing small class teachings. So there is a Relatively little room to maneuver for you know for for schools in 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 in, in, in this district. So uh, same situation, my my fine parallels in, in in other districts as well. So apart from uh, uh, this kind of small class uh, small class uh, teaching, uh, other 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 measures or other alternatives would also need to be considered at the same time in order to reduce the. You know, the, the, the pain of, uh, you know, rising from, from the uh, issue of uh, uh, the declining enrollment. Sure, but what, what are the other measures then? Uh, of course, the government has already taken the need to, to merge schools un, under the spender. And uh, this is one possibility because for some big uh, school sponsoring bodies, they might have a, a dozens of uh, secondary schools. Uh, under its auspices. So, in case there are under enrollments in in more than one school, and then the uh, and then uh, schools suffering from such a downsizing, uh, uh, you know, uh, not too far away from each other, 
merging is one possibility. And um, <clears throat> so, of course, uh, they, uh, for schools uh, uh, which are suffering in this regard, they might uh, consider other ways of operating, mm. such as a direct subsidy scheme or acting, say, uh, or, or enriching their, their, their program, such as adding an international education program to bring in students. Uh, you know, from from uh, from interest of families. So, which are the school bodies uh, facing financial ruin? Are we going to see bankruptcies among school uh, these school bodies? Uh, there's no uh, reports that uh, any such a school sponsoring bodies are facing uh, financial bankruptcy. Because uh, in Hong Kong, I think the the question of financial security is quite uh, is, is quite high because. Uh, most schools uh, do, in fact, all schools are required to have a, a definite uh, ratio of financial reserve in order to ensure its sustainability. So uh, I think uh, for for most schools, uh, this will not be a problem. But of course, if uh, they opt for something which is special, uh, it is up to the educational authorities to consider some kind of subsidizing so that it can uh, tie over the transition period. Okay. Well, thanks very much for joining us on the programme this morning. Uh, Mervyn Chung there, the chairman of the Hong Kong Education Policy Concern Group. And uh, just before we bring the programme to uh, a close, uh, a couple of uh, emails uh, on the main subject that we were talking about this morning, which was air quality and the release of a, a new app to measure personal exposure or, yes, to record personal exposure to uh, air pollution. Um, this one from David says, uh, here in the New Territories, I think you're barking up the wrong tree. It's not uh, car emissions that is the problem. The problem is uh, you're ripping up all the trees and the problem is the cement dust from all the construction going on oh, out wow. here. Um, that's going to get worse with the northern metropolis. Construction sites are always an issue. And uh, John says, uh, hi, the Kai Tak terminal does not provide shore power for cruise ships. Uh, that emissions mean ships burning diesel. Uh-huh. Uh, that's, that should be able to be get that fixed. All right. And, uh, and this one from uh, Philip says, uh, once again, a very boring issue. You and Paul are going off track. The boring subject is the app. Oh, sorry about that, Phil. Uh, but, uh, but but thank you to uh, everybody, uh, all our listeners, um, and, and thanks for your comments. And thanks very much to you, Paul. Uh, see you now, uh, probably after Christmas. OK, right. Well, you have a very happy Christmas. And thanks, uh, as ever, to our producer, Yuki Jung. And just before we go to the news summary and morning brew, a quick look at the weather. Um, sunny periods. It'll be dry during the day with a top temperature of around 23 degrees, light to moderate northeasterly winds. The outlook, fine and dry for the rest of this week and early next week. Still cool in the morning in the New Territories, windier over the weekend. It's currently 20 degrees, humidity 63%, and the red fire danger warning is in effect. From February 27th next year, the eligible age of the government $2 public transport fare concession scheme will be lowered to 60. To enjoy the scheme, Hong Kong residents aged 60 to 64 must apply for a Joyu card via the Octopus app or by mail during designated periods. Those born in 1960 can apply from November 1st to 30th this year. For details, visit the Joyu card webpage at octopus.com.hk slash J-O-Y-Y-O-U or call 2266-2222. The new summary with Andrew Shirovsky. 
An intellectual property lawyer has welcomed moves to reform the SAR's copyright laws, but says they need to take into account technological changes if Hong Kong is to be an intellectual property hub. The reforms were shelved in 2016 amid opposition in the legislature that changes would infringe upon freedom of speech. The police have warned foreign domestic helpers not to lend or sell their bank accounts for quick money, as officers note that more money laundering syndicates are targeting them. Officers say in two recent operations, 34 of the 43 people arrested were helpers. And a transport journalist says he's disappointed with the government's new automated parking system in Chunwan, calling it old-fashioned and pointing out that there are no charging points for electric vehicles or any connection to a smart city network. The car, par o- the car park opens in Chunwan today and provides six three-story structures in which cars can be parked above others. I'll have more news at 10 o'clock. It's time right now on Radio 3 to say good morning to Phil Whelan and his guests on The Morning Brew. Hello. 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 How are you? You're not too bad at all. Good morning. Even the office sport is. Hello. You never Facebook chat with me, Phil. Good morning. He's got the Tom and Jerry type violence. It's a great experience if you just want to give a bit of zing. On your radio and live online, this is The Morning Brew. Hello, good morning, good day, welcome to Thursday on Morning Brew, I'm Phil Whelan. At 10.10 today, we are going to meet author Les Bird to talk about his brand new book, Along the Southern Boundary. Now, former Marine policeman Les has had immense success with his first book, which is called A Small Band of Men. It takes the reader back to the 1980s when he formed and ran an elite anti-smuggling unit. And actually, he was told by his boss just put together a small band of men, QED. Well, that one was widely praised for its wonderful storytelling and detail and style. Les has also given a couple of sell-out talks at the Hong Kong International Literary Festival, which were moderated by Radio 3's Anna Marie Evans. Now, in Along the Southern Boundary, we remain in the 1980s, as Les recounts his part in the interception and rescue of thousands of Vietnamese boat people as they attempted to cross the South China Sea to Hong Kong and safely. Here, Les, on Facebook Live as well today. That's Morning Brew. So after that, Dr. Dave Getting, the vet, will be with us to talk about all sorts of heart issues that our pets may, hopefully not, have to deal with. So email Dave any questions, my email, morningbrew at rthk.hk, or write a comment on our Facebook page. Let's get it on with Jules Holland. 